and welcome to Feed That Nation. My name is Natalie Nation, and today we're going to go behind the scenes as I talk about why I decided to create a podcast and the process of doing so. First, a little bit of background about me. I'm a dietetics major at St. Catherine University in St. Paul, Minnesota. I am about to finish up my senior year and graduate. And after this, I am headed to complete my master's in public health at the University of Minnesota, and I'm completing their coordinated master's program. So that means the master's in public health is coordinated with a dietetic internship, something required to become a registered dietitian, which has always been a goal of mine since I got to college. Um, I'm really excited about that adventure, and I look forward to talking about it probably in future podcasts. Um, It's a pretty recent development that I got into graduate school, so it was just really exciting to be able to finally you know, shout it from the rooftops and put it on my personal blog and get to tell my friends and family about this exciting development. When I was deciding what I wanted to do for my senior honors project, which is really where this podcast came about, I was thinking about my friends who are older than me who've completed projects in the past. And they're all so talented and so smart and so just genuinely interested in the topic that they've been researching for their different projects. And a lot of the projects have ended up being research, which I'm not a huge fan of, which is why I didn't go that route. And something I noticed that was pretty common among all of the projects is that they sort of only existed when they were being worked on. And then as soon as they gave their honors presentation, they handed in the final draft to our honors director, Dr. C, they just sort of disappeared. And I know a lot of them are in the St. Kate's online archive somewhere, and I could go find them and read them again if I wanted. But it seems like they're pretty inaccessible from that place. And that was sort of what bothered me about a lot of the projects. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for mine, I wanted to pick a project that could continue to exist after I was finished with it. And that's sort of where I came up with the idea of doing something that could be put on the internet, something that could be widely available. And I started to think about, well, where do I get most of my information? Where do I spend most of my time on the internet? And I came down to, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, and I learn a lot from YouTube videos, and sure, I watch the silly ones, but then I also have been watching videos of registered dietitians talking about medical nutrition therapy, and I watch yoga instructors talking about their practice, and I watch just a whole bunch of stuff, cooking shows, and I feel like, I felt like I got a lot of information that way, and I think a lot of my peers do too. We don't, we not only use YouTube for entertainment, but we also use it for learning purposes, which is a really cool way that the, I guess, the platform of YouTube has evolved. But then I wasn't sure I was comfortable creating video content. I've never done any sort of video or audio editing before I started this project, so I wasn't sure that that was something I wanted to take on. And then the other thing with YouTube videos is that a lot of times you have to be actively present and watching them in order to get the most from them, and that's really difficult to do when you're a busy college student like I am and you're running around all over the place and you're just scrolling through Facebook trying to figure something out and then you see a video but uh uh-oh it doesn't have closed captions and I don't want to turn the sound on and oh it's a nine minute video oh I guess I can't watch that right now and then you forget about it. And that's where I came up with the idea of doing a podcast because I also listen to podcasts and the really cool thing about them is that they're sort of made for multitasking and they're made for busy people because You can listen on your commute, you can listen when you're on a run, you can listen when you're cooking dinner, and they're meant to be easily digestible, no pun intended, or pun intended, I suppose, 
and they're meant to be engaging. And the format is a little bit more flexible in that when you're watching a YouTube video, it has to be really interesting, engaging. And if it's longer than like 20 minutes, most people lose interest. But with podcasts, a lot of the time when you're listening, you're listening for a long time. Maybe your, your commute is 45 minutes or maybe you're cooking dinner for an hour. So you want something that can last you the whole way. I know my commute to work is about 25 minutes. So I love podcasts that are really long because then I can start it on my way to work and finish it on my way home. And I like the flexibility of being able to do a podcast and getting to open the doors to have really interesting conversations with people, which is something I really love about listening to podcasts is the host's get to talk about some of their favorite things and they get to learn new things from other people and they get to tie in all these really interesting like stories about their background and stories from the other person and I just love the flexibility of it and I love having engaging conversations with people. So that's where I sort of settled on the idea of doing a podcast and once I decided that I had to start thinking about logistically what do I want this podcast to be formatted like and do I want to do it by myself? Do I want to have episodes where I'm talking to other people? Like, do I want it to be super formal? Do I want it to be informal? And I had to sort of make those creative decisions on my own with a little bit of help from friends and family I was asking and then a decent amount of input from my honors advisors, Deb, Julie, and Joshua. And while I was thinking about doing the podcast and I realized sort of the niche that I wanted to fill was that there's a lot of entertaining podcasts out there that aren't necessarily informative. And there's a lot of informative podcasts out there that aren't necessarily entertaining. And I wanted to kind of bridge that gap and create something that you could listen to that you're really entertained by, but then it's also really informative and you're getting a lot of really interesting information from. And on top of that, I decided that my audience, I wanted to focus on issues that were really relevant to college students and young adults. And since I'm a dietetics major, my area of expertise is in nutrition, so I wanted to talk about nutrition issues related to college students. And that's sort of where I started uh, the whole planning process, really. Um, within the scope of my honors project, I wasn't exactly sure before I did any of this how long it would take or like the effort that I would need to put in, because it's a big project and the honors project is supposed to be like pretty formidable, I suppose. But I wanted to set myself up with something realistic so that I could achieve my goals realistically while challenging myself, while pushing myself to grow. So I decided I was going to do four episodes. And I picked a topic for each episode. The first episode was more or less why we hate vegetables and what to do about it. The second episode was about the freshman 15. The third episode is about food insecurity on university campuses. And the fourth episode was on food literacy through on-campus agriculture. And I was really, really excited by just the idea of getting to talk about all the things that I'm so passionate about. A lot of these topics are things that I'm personally interested in, um, things that I've worked on, um, things that I'm actively engaged in on and off campus. So that's sort of where I started. I wanted to talk about things that were interesting to me um, just because that makes a project more fun. And I feel like a lot of the issues, like the episode where we talked about the freshman 15, a lot of college students are aware about the freshman 15, but I wanted to sort of turn that conversation upside down and break it open and some bust some myths about it, I guess. And that was a really fun episode for me to do. Um, once I decided what the topic of each episode was going to be, 
I started thinking about who I wanted to interview because I decided it would be a lot easier for me to create engaging content if I was able to bounce off somebody and sort of have a back and forth conversation and ask questions and bring up interesting points. So when I was thinking about who I wanted to interview and how I wanted those interviews to go and how I wanted to format those, I sort of realized that I had a divide. I had people I wanted to interview who are considered experts in their field, who are considered professionals, who have done extensive research or work in the field that we'd be talking about. And then I wanted to interview students. So like podcast one, where I interviewed Dr. Nula Babowski, who is a professional food scientist, food researcher, totally an expert in her field, super awesome. I really wanted to have that conversation and get all that information from her, and she's such a fun person to talk to. I have class with her this semester, and she is so much fun, and I've learned so much from her. But then I also wanted to have the conversation with just a college student, someone who grew up disliking vegetables and is thinking about how to change that now and how to, and I wanted someone's perspective on how to educate and the best ways to educate and sort of the barriers that college students perceive that stand in their way. And that's why I decided instead of just doing four episodes, I wanted to break each of the four episodes into two parts. So technically I created eight episodes, but I've been considering them four just because the topic has been um, the same between the two halves. And this gave me a bit more freedom to have longer interviews. So instead of having to limit my interviews to like 10 minutes each so that the podcast didn't get too long, I was able to break it into two and have two more substantial conversations about the same topic with different people, which was really fun. And then I got to juxtapose the conversation with the professional, the expert, with the conversation with the student and get more of the student experience, which is something I really value because I feel like a lot of podcasts that I've listened to that reference young adults and college students don't have that voice, I guess, present. And that's something that I really wanted to bring and sort of that niche I wanted to fill with the creation of this podcast. And whether I did that is totally up for debate. I have realized throughout this whole process that it's really a learning process. I haven't I guess I, I don't think I've reached my full podcasting potential yet, and I'm looking forward to continuing to grow as a podcaster, as a content creator. But I, even in the process of the last six or so months that I've been doing this, I feel like I've grown a lot, which is really cool for me as a student. So to create a podcast, you need to obviously have people to talk to, something to talk about, and then the next part of that is something to record the conversation with, and something to edit the podcast into. So thankfully, my campus has a recording room set up in the communications building. It used to be for the St. Kate's radio here, um, which was pretty popular a few years ago, and it's almost died down now, but we still have all this cool like recording equipment and a padded room that I'm currently sitting in. There's lots of like, foam on the walls. It looks pretty cool. And we have a soundboard, like a really professional-looking one that I only know like three of the buttons and what they do. Um, we're able to check out digital recorders and um, equipment like that from St. Kate's Media Services. So that's where I've been getting my equipment and doing that. And I do my recording in the recording room. And then right down the hall is what I've been calling the editing room. It's really just a little tiny room. It's got a couch, two desks, and a big Mac computer that has Adobe Creative Suite on it. 
which I've been using Adobe Audition to do all my editing. So that's really helpful. I didn't have to pay for a subscription because I've been using the schools, which is nice. And Joshua, my honors advisor in the communication studies department, has been showing me how to use all the equipment, how to troubleshoot. Um, I've definitely sent him a couple of urgent texts. Uh-oh, what do I do? The computer did this thing. Or, uh-oh, I lost my recording. Now what? And he's been really helpful with answering those questions and helping me troubleshoot and giving me feedback on my, I guess, technical audio recording skills. At the time I'm speaking, I have created two, I have created and published uh, four of the eight episodes. The fifth one, episode 3A with Rebecca Layton, is scheduled to be published at noon today, actually. And then episode 3B, I think I'm going to publish next week. That one's the one with Dakota Noel. And today and tomorrow, I'm recording for episodes 4A and 4B with my guests, Jennifer, Chris, and Marie. And I'm super excited about that just because I'm looking forward to just more interesting conversations. It's actually been about three months since I've actually recorded anything for my podcast with anyone else. So I'm interested to get back into that and to sort of keep growing and keep exploring. Some of the challenges for me in producing a podcast have been both technical skills and then kind of trying to find my creative voice. So I'd say technically it's been challenging for me to learn to use the audio equipment, to learn to use the editing software. I definitely haven't learned how to do nearly the number of things in Adobe Audition that is possible. And I think hopefully as I continue to learn more that the audio quality of my podcast will continue to get better. But that's been a challenge for me being a complete novice coming in and now I'm trying to create a professional grade project when I'm totally an amateur. So it's definitely been a work in progress and I'm definitely still learning. Something else that's been challenging is that audio editing is a lot more time consuming than I had expected it to be. I'm a really quick reader, so I was expecting it to be kind of like, you know, editing a research paper. But then I quickly realized when I was in the process of audio editing that when you are listening through and you hear a mistake, you can correct it, but then you can't just skim ahead. You can't skim read for the next mistake, especially if you're listening to a moment when you um, forgot what you were going to say or when the mic popped or something and you want to cut that out. You can't just like skim read and find the spot. You have to listen all the way through to find it which has been challenging. And then another piece of that time-consuming bit is learning how not to be so self-critical. It was really difficult for me at the beginning of this process to accept that there were going to be little, not mistakes, but just little things about my voice that I don't like. And I have gotten to the point definitely where I'm sort of immune to it. But there was a point back in the fall when I was editing the first couple of podcasts that I was so tired of listening to the sound of my own voice. And I was so frustrated. And I was definitely going a little bit ear blind and unable to listen for mistakes just because I was so tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. And I was just sort of getting in this rut of like, oh my gosh, I don't even sound good. What if the stuff I'm talking about is stupid? What's the point? And so forth and so on. So I think getting over that was a challenge and sort of learning to accept that no matter how hard I work, my content will not be perfect because I am not perfect. And especially since I'm not a professional, since I'm so new at this, there's going to be a lot of things that I'm learning along the way. So that was kind of hard. And then definitely I had to do a lot of troubleshooting and resolving of technical difficulties. I recorded 
my initial interview for Podcast 3A with Rebecca Layton, only to find later that the spot you're supposed to plug into for the microphone, I'd actually plugged that cord into the headphone jack. So I essentially had an hour interview with her that was all fuzz and nonsense because I had set it up incorrectly and I had failed to do a sound check beforehand. And I was so devastated that I'd lost all of that information and I definitely cried about it for a little while and texted Joshua and was like, Joshua, what do I do? He's like, well, how good was the interview? Could you ask her to come back and do it again? And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Maybe she'd be willing to come back. So I asked her and I explained the situation. And thankfully, Rebecca has only recently graduated from her master's in public health, actually from the same program that I am now going into. It's really cool how that works out. And she was totally understanding of my technical mistake. And she shared her own story of being a master's student and having made a similar mistake doing interviews with people. And she was so willing to come back and have the conversation again and Oh my gosh, I am so grateful for that. I was so devastated at the thought of not being able to present the interview that we'd had because it it was so excellent and I had such a great time with it. Um, Other technical difficulties I guess I've had. I am still not super great at monitoring sound quality during an interview. So I have the headphones on obviously when someone else is speaking and when I'm speaking, but it's hard for me to judge if the other person is too quiet, should I turn them up? If the other person is too loud, should I turn them down? Do I need to turn me up or down? So that's resulted in a couple of instances of distorted audio, which has been frustrating because I do also have a backup recorder going after the incident with Rebecca. So I record on my phone as well as recording on a digital recorder. And it's happened a couple of times, episodes 3A and 3B actually, where I've actually ended up using the iPhone recording instead of the professional recording just because, like, if anyone couldn't tell from the recording with Dakota in 3B, he's a really loud speaker, and that's something I didn't anticipate, and I should have turned his microphone down more so that he wasn't so loud and distorting all of his audio, which is totally not his fault. But it was frustrating to then have two podcasts of audio that was lower quality than the first two podcasts. But, you know, you, I'm learning so much throughout this whole process. So I'm grateful for these opportunities where I've made mistakes because I know now that I can prevent them and I can work to correct them. I think when trying to put to words what I have learned through the process of this project, I sort of have to break it down into two categories. The first category being the obvious, the obvious things that I have learned in the process of this. I have learned audio recording and editing skills. I have definitely tuned in my flexibility and patience by quite a bit through this process, especially in terms of trying to recover from the mistakes I've made and trying to, I guess, figure out how to create a better product or better content when I am so new at this and when I'm not a professional and when I'm pretty much doing everything on my own. I do have my advisors advising me, but they have a lot more, I guess, critical feedback and not so much um, technical advice except for Joshua. So definitely audio editing skills, patience, and flexibility are on my list of the obvious things that I have learned. The other list I've been calling the not-so-obvious, and that list includes 
learning how to promote authentic conversations. And that's been a challenge that I've been trying to overcome. I was told a, um, a couple of days ago by my honors committee that I'm almost too well prepared for some of my podcasts. And I definitely hear that in some of my early recordings. And I've been trying to learn how to promote authentic conversation and not make it sound like a cookie cutter interview and then not interrupt my podcast guests and let them talk and ask them questions rather than automatically just inserting my own opinion. And that's been a challenge because I picked topics that I feel I'm pretty well informed in and that I'm interested in. So of course I want to talk about them just as much as I want to hear what the other person has to say. (laughs) I guess promoting authentic conversations is something I didn't think I was going to learn, but that I'm definitely learning and it's still a work in progress. Surprisingly, through this project, I didn't realize before I started But I originally wasn't very confident in the sound of my own voice. And I wasn't very confident in not only the sound of my voice, but I wasn't confident in the things that I was saying. And I didn't think that the things that I was saying had value. And throughout this process of working on the podcast and having to listen to the sound of my own voice over and over again and present my voice for feedback and all of that, I've sort of developed a really awesome sense of confidence in the things that I have to say. And I think that hopefully will continue to grow and continue to contribute to my ability to be a good podcaster. And I know with the confidence that I have in the things that I'm saying, I also have to have a bit of humility in, you know, I'm not always right. The things I'm saying aren't always perfect. There aren't going to be just hours and hours of perfect content that don't need any any editing and no one's ever going to dispute me. But I think having the confidence to say the things that I believe and to talk about the things that I want to talk about is something I absolutely was not expecting to learn, but I'm very grateful that this came out of that process. And I've had so much fun sort of growing into my own voice even because of that. And working with the Campus Food Shelf like I do, and I talk a lot about that in episodes 3A and 3B, What I've learned about power of word of mouth has also been really, really influential in, I guess, my work as a podcaster and my work as an on-campus, the food shelf coordinator, and I liaise with a lot of students, and just all of that and sort of developing and really having confidence in my power and my words as a student and as an educator and as a podcaster, and I have... Honestly, I've loved the confidence that I've gotten out of this. And it's not that's not something I can say about everything I've done. So I guess I'm really, really pleased that this is on my, my list of things that I've learned. I guess I didn't know before I did this project how much I really enjoy listening to podcasts, listening to other people's podcasts, and then creating my own. Um, I did listen to podcasts before this, but now I would say I'm a really avid listener. I'm always asking people, you know, do you listen to podcasts? What do you listen to? Do you like it? Give me a recommendation. And now I have a whole library on my phone of podcasts that I listen to, everything from fitness. I listen to Run This World, which is really good. Or I listen to really silly ones like Ear Biscuit with Rhett and Link. And um, I have a friend at um, St. Thomas. His name's TJ. And I listen to his podcast. I guess I have really loved growing into a podcast junkie through the process of this project, and that's been something really surprising that I wasn't expecting, but certainly I'm grateful for, and it's helped me become more critical of my own work and more observant about other people's work and um, pieces of their work that I think they do really well that I want to add to mine and questions that they ask that I think are really interesting or ways that they format their own podcast. 
And I've loved learning all of that through the process of becoming a podcast nerd. I guess one more challenging thing that I didn't talk about earlier that I also want to bring up is that it's been challenging for me to accept criticism of my own work sometimes. And I guess every person has that issue. No one wants to hear that the thing they're working on sucks. And I certainly don't think anything I've worked on has actually sucked. But then it's difficult to work on something and feel really proud of it and edit it and submit your draft to your honors committee and then go to the meeting where they give you the feedback. And then, I mean, this happened a few days ago, but it felt like they started with the compliment sandwich of, oh, this was so good, happy to listen to it. And then they went into just a barrage of critical comments And it was really hard to listen to because a lot of the comments they were giving me weren't things I could actually, like, fix at the time because I'd already done all the recording and so much editing. So there were things like, oh, I think you should have asked this type of question or I think you should have interviewed this type of person instead of that. And, oh, my gosh, I actually had to stop them in the middle of this and be like, okay, cool. I'm really listening to this feedback and going to take it into account. But I can't do any of this to the podcast that I've already given to you for critique. And they were quick to say, oh, this is for the future. And then they gave me some more helpful feedback about the podcast that we were supposed to be talking about. But it was really, it killed my spirit a little bit to just feel so confident about the work that I'd put into it and then be hearing so many things that were wrong with it. And that's totally not what they meant by giving me the feedback, but that's what I was hearing. So I guess that's been a challenge too, to be able to accept criticism with humility and with an open ear and with a sense of curiosity and inquiry so that I can not be discouraged by hearing that, oh, you made a mistake here. Oh, I think you probably should have asked this type of question or whatever. And to really take it and run with it. So in the next podcast, hopefully I won't do that or hopefully I'll add this or hopefully I'll be a better X or Y or Z. So it's been a challenge for me as a student And as someone who is so new at this and who's gaining so much confidence through doing it, but then also to hear criticism and to not be able to take that as gracefully as I guess I would have hoped, which is definitely something I'm working on. As far as the future of Feed That Nation, I've already decided that I've totally fallen in love with creating podcasts and that I want to keep going. So I've decided season one is the scope of my honors project this episode will be the last episode in season one after I publish 4A and 4B. This is sort of our behind-the-scenes wrap-up of the season, I guess you could say. And I want to keep going, and I have a a Google Doc somewhere of a list of podcasts that I want to do and people I want to talk to and topics I want to cover. And it's definitely a lot of stuff that I am interested in, but also I'm interested in talking about stuff that I don't have experience in. And I'm interested in having conversations with people and bringing in interesting conversations. There's friends I have who are so interesting, and I really want to open up conversations with them and give them a platform to talk about the things that they love to talk about. With the challenges that come with that, though, I'm about to graduate, so I'm going to lose access to this lovely recording room and the editing room and my access to Adobe Audition, which is the software I've been using So I'm trying to think about, do I want to invest in professional-grade equipment? Do I want to buy my own microphone? Do I want to get a student subscription to the Adobe Creative Suite? And all of that costs money, which is sort of frustrating, which also begs the question, should I 
be advertising my podcast and activating sponsorships and trying to earn money from doing this, which is a challenge as well because I don't think I'm reaching as wide of an audience as I would need to be to be making money off of it. And I think the amount of time I would need to spend marketing in order to create and reach that audience would be too much for me to manage as just an amateur student. And especially in the fall when I go into a graduate program, I don't know that I'm going to have time to do that, which is frustrating because I would love to explore this area of my life and area of my interests. But I don't know. I guess it's still a work in progress. I definitely want to keep podcasting and I've loved being able to produce more professional quality audio from using this equipment and even using this room that's padded with foam so that it's more soundproof and I'm going to lose access to this when I graduate. So what do I do? Do I record in my apartment when who knows who's going to walk in the door? That's a lie. It's going to be my husband. But, you know, what if the dog across the hall starts barking or what if or what if the garbage truck starts to pick up the garbage and it makes loud crashing noises and affects the quality of my audio, you know? Even, you know, our apartment has taller ceilings than this room, so it would probably, like, echo. I guess I'm interested enough in podcasting to keep going. I just don't want to sacrifice the quality of the content I'm producing by losing my quality equipment. And do I invest my own money in a microphone? And because I interview people all the time, I probably have to invest in two microphones. And then what about headphones? Because I don't have any nice headphones and having to invest in the software to do editing and I might have to buy this or do this and it's a challenge considering this is a hobby and even though it's a hobby that I really enjoy is this a hobby I want to spend that money on to give you an idea of the topics that I want to talk about for next podcast I'm really interested in exploring topics that are a little bit further away from exactly nutrition but still in the wellness category so I have a friend who went from being really inactive, not super athletic, and now he's training for a marathon. And this is within like two years that he went, you know, from point A to point B with all of this. And I really want to talk to him about the topic of getting into fitness as a young adult, which is something I'm really interested in because I hated gym class growing up. I was really bad at every sport I tried, and I didn't get into fitness until honestly probably two years ago as well. So I'm interested to have that conversation with him and explore his perspective and get to ask him questions and do some research about that. I really want to talk to, I have several different friends who have, within the last five or six years, been diagnosed with different chronic illnesses, and I myself have also been diagnosed with a chronic illness within the past couple of years, so I want to get us all together. I think there's three friends in me, so there'll be four of us, so to sort of do a roundtable discussion about managing chronic illness as a young adult, which I think would be a really awesome topic and I'm excited to hear their perspectives. I want to do a podcast with my mom and I wanna talk about body image. And my mom has four daughters, I'm her oldest daughter out of four. And to talk about body image and body positivity as a mom and promoting that for your daughters because I would love to hear her perspective. She and I have so many great conversations, mostly in the car when we're going places or late at night when I'm home visiting, we'll be drinking our orange juice and peach schnapps and giggling and talking about just any topic that comes to mind. So I really want to do an episode with my mom. I have a whole list somewhere and I'm not going to pull it up, but those are just a couple of the episodes that I'm really excited about producing in the future. 
for season two and beyond. I think once I get into graduate school, I would love to explore more topics related to graduate school, especially related to the process of becoming a dietitian, which is something that I'm still actively working on. And hopefully I'll be able to reach out to more people and make more connections. And I don't know, like with Rebecca, I had never met her before we did the interview. And I'm so glad that I reached out and I'm so glad she was willing to come in. And I'm looking forward to making more connections and meeting more people through the process of this podcast. Uh, places that you can find my podcast, I do my publishing through a platform called Anchor. It's anchor.fm. And they're a really incredible website. Their mantra is anyone can create a podcast. Anyone should be able to do it for free. And that's sort of where their website comes in. So I do my publishing through their website. And then through their website, they then get my podcast onto popular platforms like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Casts, so forth and so on. I think I'm on actually like 10 different platforms right now, which is so awesome. I think most people just listen through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but it's been really helpful to have that platform to be doing the publishing from. Um, I do have a personal blog that is feedthatnation.com that you can find the link to all of those uh, different different platforms and you can hear a little bit more about my story and my blog posts. I've been blogging since I was a freshman in college, so over three years now, that I've been writing about recipes, that I've been writing about my life. I blogged the entire the entirety of my trip to South Africa and Namibia last January. So anyone who's more interested in reading about what I've been writing or hearing more about recipes or is just more interested in Feed That Nation as an entity rather than just as a podcast, I'd encourage you to check out my website. Uh, you can reach out to me. My contact information is also on my website. And I'm really looking forward to what the future is going to hold for Feed That Nation. And I'm looking forward to growing as an artist and a content producer. Thank you so much for listening. Season two, I'm so excited for that. I will definitely be updating my blog with more about that and will definitely be spreading the word about when season two is going to be coming up and when um, episodes 3b and 4a and 4b are going to be published until then my name is natalie nation and you've been listening to feed that nation have a great day and i'll talk to you soon